Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. A little bit late this week, but albeit totally and as excited and as ecstatic as always to be back with you on the Maroon Mike. Big special thanks to our listeners uh, for sticking with us and for being with us tonight. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co-host, Lounge Dog. And like I said, thrilled to be back with you. Excited to get started uh, on the latest episode of the Maroon Mike. Got something special for y'all today. Don't worry about that. Um, first things first, let's just go ahead, get the good stuff out of the way so we can get into all the stuff that you know we might be a little bit more reluctant to talk about. Rain Dakota Prescott is a name that Many, many are coming to regret disrespecting and that even more are coming to respect uh, the way that they do names like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Dak Prescott on Sunday night overcome not only the New England Patriots, but the officiating crew, his own teammates' drops and penalties, which were numerous and egregious. Um, his own coaching staff, I, in my humble opinion, they're in aptitude with clock management and, in some regards, play calling to a slighter, a little bit of an extent. I think clutch play calling is tricky for Kellen Moore, but, you know, first quarter, second, third quarter, he's great. But overcome all that, and all he did was throw for more yards than Bill Belichick's Patriots have ever given up, 445 yards, three touchdowns, uh, did have an interception, but not going to harp on it too bad. But just an absolutely outstanding performance. You know, New England sold out to stop the run and got just cooked all night uh, in the passing game. Kept it close because of, like I said, some of Dallas's mistakes, and they're going to have to clean that up for sure. I mean, you can't you can't win a Super Bowl or do any of the goals that they have uh, before in front of them with that many penalties. So, but very exciting. Um, very exciting uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And another guy we're going to have to mention, Jeffrey Bernard Simmons Jr. And yes, I did have to look that up. I did not know Jeffrey Simmons' middle name off the top of my head. But with the game saving, the fourth and inches stop, uh, with th- down, uh, uh, let me put it, set the scene for you, if I can speak English here for a second. My bad. The Tennessee Titans are up three points. There's 22 seconds left in the game. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have a fourth and inches at about the four-yard line that they're trying to go ahead and convert so that they can go for the touchdown rather than kick a field goal to tie it. And Jeffrey Simmons destroys the offensive lineman, the left tackle in front of him, knocks Josh Allen off his feet. He just fails to convert the fourth and goal, and Tennessee wins against probably the best team in the AFC, uh, at least up until that point last night. Very, very exciting to see. Were you watching Monday Night Football? I fell asleep during the first quarter. You you did fall asleep yesterday. I, I was keeping up. I actually, Derrick Henry's last touchdown put me ahead two points on the uh, in fantasy, and then Josh Allen had enough points driving down the field to pass me again, which is very upsetting uh, because, of course, that blown call on Dak's my starting quarterback. That blown rushing touchdown 
and then the resulting fumble afterwards in Sunday's game with New England cost me. Cost me big. But in any case, uh, I was I, very interested in that yeah, game. I had I'm sorry, I said what? I said I had a good bet weekend. That's for dang sure, at least. Well, we'll get into that a little bit. There's you want to do that next before we do the, uh, we let you have your piece? Uh, I mean, that ain't much. I mean, at well, least I won like $300. We got to pick our, uh, do our free money review, but. Last thing I'll say, last bit of good news I is... I don't remember who I picked. So. Well, I got it written down. Um, no. Last thing I'll do before I uh, we get to the next segment of the show, Mississippi State Baseball did close uh, a fall scrimmage, a 14-inning fall scrimmage against the University of Alabama with a 3-2 to two win. How funny is that? Your, your hitters are pretty much crushing your pitchers all... all Fall. Uh, pitching is is a little bit behind. Of course, they're not throwing Landon Sims and stuff out there in any of these scrimmages. And some of those guys, they're st- you know they're they're throwing their bullpens. It's keeping them fresh. But some of those guys that ha- need to get work done are out there throwing, and they're just getting tattooed by your hitters, even your freshman hitters. You know, Hunter Hines, a couple other guys are really raking out there. And then in 14 innings, you score five total runs. We score three when we've been hitting all weekend, and we hold Alabama to two. That's just fun. Baseball is a funny sport. But we do get the win there. And since, as far as I can see, we beat Alabama this weekend. I mean, it's a three-game series, a baseball scrimmage, a football game, and then the two uh, face of the uh, quarterbacks, uh, college football quarterbacks, playing against each other. You had Mac Jones for New England and Dak for Dallas, and Dak won that one. So, as far as I'm concerned, we won the series, right? If you want to spin it some positivity... <laughs> we'll we'll do just that. Gonna get into our our free money picks, and let me look and see how this went. We had you took Michigan State, who are, was only getting four and a half from Indiana. And buddy, let me tell you something: they won twenty to fifteen, right on the money. That's fantastic. You got Ole Miss two and a half at Tennessee. And if not for some shenanigans, you might have been incorrect about that one. But you won some money there. You also probably distanced yourself in the pick that we've got going on because I took Tennessee, and they should have won. I'm not going to sit there and discuss it. They should have won. And you took North Carolina versus Miami. Let me check that score. North Carolina 7.5 versus Miami. And they lost. No, they won, but they only won by three. They were up a lot at some point, but then Miami rallied somehow, somebody. So that, you're, was bad, that was a bad beat. A bad beat? Let me look. Oh, yeah, they scored seven. They scored 25 in the second half. Yeah, I see that. You're, you're right. It was a pretty bad beat. Tough to two, see that. Two and one on the weekend ain't too bad. And then you said you must have had some other ones going going your way too that we didn't mention last week. Um, my three team parlay, buddy. I, I won the. See, the three team parlay was the Cardinals and the Browns over. 
the Raiders plus five against Denver. And then, whew, luckily, Dak threw a touchdown to CD because I had. You, you, that field goal wouldn't have done it, right? Nope. Oh, man. Because they're, they're probably, they're, they're probably going to throw that one play. They're going to run that play, and then they're going to run the ball up the middle a couple times and set up a field goal. But the, the play that they connected on the on the, the money shot, I guess is what we'll call it, since it earned yeah. the money. So you, you yes. were hooping and hollering after that happened, weren't you? But you had no idea. <laughs> uh, I, see, that's why I can't. I, I would like to, but really can't get into the sports betting thing because you're gonna inject, especially with games that have rooting interest. If I put, especially if I put them part of a parlay, you're just gonna put a damper on all the wins. But occasionally, like you said, you're gonna make them even sweeter. I like that. On the pick'em side of things, uh, we did rather poorly, or I did. I picked Tennessee, and you picked Ole Miss. You pick up a point on me there. We both picked Florida. How did LSU do that? I have no idea. And then Ed Ogeron gets fired immediately after, except he's not really fired. He's just kind of fired. We both picked Arkansas, and Auburn uh, took care of business up in Fayetteville. So now we're pretty sure all we, Arkansas we is both, just – We both picked Arkansas. We did. Oh, dang. Um, I thought one of us picked Auburn. I should have. We talked. You talked yourself out of Auburn. I think you had Auburn. Yeah. Um, we both picked Texas A&M and we're correct. We both picked Georgia and we're correct. We both picked South Carolina and we're just barely correct. A one point game down there. Oh, and, uh, huh? South Carolina's a bad football team. They're pretty bad. I think Luke Doty got hurt in the game too. Um, and, of course, uh, I think Ken Seals got hurt. I don't think he got hurt in practice, but he's not starting our game. So we'll talk about that next week. Vanny will be without their starting quarterback. But it's going to come down to the score. Okay, so on the score, I am going to be one point closer because you were closer to our score. You were, you're three points closer to our score, but I'm four points closer to theirs. So we will stay the same. Except, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six. So we both get six points this week. So you're still just ahead by two. Which next week there's only like four games. So you're 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 every time we, we keep pace with each other, you're really pulling away. I'm gonna have to start picking some crazy games here in a minute. I'm gonna have to pick Vandy to beat somebody uh, in two weeks or something like that. Who knows? Uh, that you want to leave? Go ahead. <laughs> all right. So now, getting into the meat of the show, into what we all came here to talk about, there were a lot of things that were upsetting about Saturday's um, loss to Alabama. Defense, I think, played poorly. Uh, I think the offense blinked. I don't think the offensive line played outstanding. I don't think Will Rogers played great. And the running backs apparently played poorly enough to where neither. Jaquavius Marks nor Dylan Johnson are listed as starters this weekend. They are listed as both the second stringers uh, behind a walk-on. So who knows what he, what's even going on at this point uh, with that. But I'm not here to talk about. I'm not you know going to talk about that too much. I'm going to let you tell me what you thought about Saturday. I mean, it was a 
positive. I thought we had a chance because we were moving the ball. But then again, Will, Will Rock, Will started turning the ball over. He, throwing across the field is not the right thing to do I, at, at all, ever, unless you got Peyton Manning's arm. I was happy with the way we were moving the ball to begin the game. Or really, for most part, most of the most of the game, anyways. And uh, but defense that was absolutely pathetic. That we were getting gashed with the running game, and then our corners couldn't stay with their receivers because they were about five yards open in almost every play. I mean, occasionally we got some, we got, we, every once in a while we got to Bryce Young, but we weren't able to get there consistently. And then Zach Arnett, blitzing like he's Todd Granville, third and Granville, blitzing on third and long, giving up a play, a big play for a touchdown. I mean, it, it was everything on the defense side I did not like. But it also comes to the fact, I hate to say it, but, we ain't got the dudes to compete with Alabama, and we don't. And it'll it'll probably be a while before that's ever the case that we, from an athletic standpoint, are on par with what Alabama has. I mean, that's that's just the the reality of it. To uh, to just be quite honest, that's why, that's why I say just go full blown and start paying for five star recruits and say screw the NCAA. I said this is not this is not competitive. I'm like NCAA. College football is run by like four or five, four or five football programs, and then there's everybody else. See, now we yeah. say such things, but would you have called Clemson one of those programs last year? What do you mean, like one of those four or five programs? Would that be Clemson last year? If you if we were having this conversation a year ago, when I say four or five, I'm thinking Alabama. Uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, Georgia. You could throw Clemson in there. See, I, I just what I'm trying to say is I think most people would call would have called Clemson a year ago, and then clearly not this year, and they'll be back. You know, they'll they'll figure whatever it is they got to figure. You know, you could say maybe Debo's sandbagging so he doesn't have to have have a hundred job interviews uh, once Nick Saban. Uh, but, their th- but their thing is like I'm joking, by the way. They they, they recruit at a high level, but they don't get like they don't recruit elite offensive linemen or so. But like they, there are certain years from Clemson. I've been here from like Tom Luganville. Like they don't recruit elite linemen like say Alabama and Georgia do. That's kind of one of the one areas that miss, they miss usually. And I mean, it's tough when you're you're in the same division with the greatest coach of college football, the peak of their dynasty. And this is considered one of like the softer Alabama football teams under Saban. I I, I think from a maybe from a pure talent standpoint, in one or one or two levels of the defense, you could call them a little bit softer. I think offensively they're about what they're used to. Um, 
they, 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 I don't think all those receivers are first round draft picks like they've had, but at least one or two of them could. I could easily see Mechie or, or Jamison Williams in the future as being a guy like that. But also, they've been so just. I don't want to call them blessed because it's not just fortune. I mean, it's it's hard work and and a little bit of maybe some kind of corruption. I don't want to even get into that, but. The, they set the bar so high for themselves with just the pure talent. You know, even Alabama used them having a great running back and great lineman and great defense all the way around. But 10 or 12, 15 years ago, before really before Amari Cooper got there, or Julio Jones, I should say, you weren't used to Alabama having the best receiver in college football, the best one of the best quarterbacks in college football, which the last four that they've had have been outstanding. Um and because they've set the bar so high, we look at this group and say, well, this isn't the Alabama of old. Well, you're like, well, they're still better than just about everybody else out there. And, and in fact, if they were on other teams, we might be talking about these players like they're, you know, all, all world. If, the, if these players were on Tennessee or Arkansas, we'd be acting like, you know, Traylon Burks, for example. I don't know if Traylon Burks would shine. He's one of the best receivers in the SEC. I don't know if he would shine so much at Arkansas because, or excuse me, at Alabama because you're comparing him to Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman as a receiver, which is incredible, absolutely incredible. I, I don't think I think that our bias is making us think that they're not as good as they've always been. We're really maybe the, maybe these other guys have been hyped up so much that the bar is just un, unfairly high. It's there's a standard, and right, right or wrong, I mean, it's standard over the over there or over here that they that Saban has, and it be honest, and it, it's a young team. It's a young team they got, and which is scary looking down the road. If they're young now, and they look like this. Right, <laughs> and we're a young team. It's just. They come in and beat people instantly, like some teams instantly with just God-given talent. Yeah. The thing is, which is I give respect for, Saban knows how to develop them. Mm-hmm. See, that, and that's for what, but like... He knows how to move pieces and push buttons. I mean, we've heard all week all the talking points about Trayvon Diggs, how he was so upset when he got moved from cornerback to receiver, and now he's I, I, probably the odds-on favorite for defensive player of the year in the NFL. I mean, Saban knows he, there's no there's no chink or flaw in his pedigree as a coach, I think. I think other than the kick six maybe, but even then, you know. Something that I noticed on, on Saturday, what I think the main problem was is we just blinked. You – you get, you know, you can overcome one mistake. I think one critical mistake against Alabama isn't going to lose you the game, but any more than that, and it is. And that one critical mistake happened on the first drive. You know, you throw an interception. You're moving the ball. They can't do nothing to stop you. And then you get a miscommunication on a route, and you're, you're second and ten, and suddenly you're throwing an interception. And it's just – or it ended up being third and ten, but just unfortunate – but so the offense blinked there, and then I don't know if they ever got back the mentality that they were there to compete with those guys. That that Alabama 
is somebody we can hang with. And on the conversely, on the defensive side, I would I don't think that no I don't know how much defense and offense feeds off each other, but I know they went out there hungry. They made a couple good plays, and then like you said, first drive of the game, they get burnt uh, on pretty much a busted coverage for a long touchdown, and then they were like, okay, well, I'm glad we came out, but can we really hang with those guys? And again, you just can't blink against Alabama like that. It's deflating when you. You see your offense not putting touchdowns on the board. Very deflating, I, I, and and not being to get so close, but and only put up three every time. Probably was very disappointing for everybody involved. Another thing I, I just want to get into. I know we talk about how the offensive line has played a lot better this year. They struggled at stretches in the first couple games. Then I think the last three games before Alabama. They were doing outstanding. I, I thought they had great, uh, did a great job against the leading uh, NCAA sack leader LSU and against uh, well, the, probably the best defensive front they'll face all year outside of Alabama and Texas A&M. But here's what I think happened: they make a couple mistakes. I thought the first two, the first one, maybe two poor drives where you had some false starts and some pressure was due to the offensive line, and then after that, Will Rogers. Is just not in the com- in his comfort zone. He's not confident. He's not ready. And and I hate to be. The, I'm not the Will Rogers criticizer. I think Will Rogers is doing a fantastic job. I think from about the end of the first quarter or maybe the beginning of the second quarter, the rest of the game, he's holding the ball way too long, incredibly. T- like there's guys open. There's tough throws, but the throws you're gonna have to make against Alabama. I mean, you're not gonna have guys six steps open every possession. And there's throwaways that are obvious when he's taking sacks and getting hit. And to his credit, part of that could be because he escaped a couple times and made a couple good plays. And then once you do that, you start to think, oh, I can always escape. I I can do this. That's going to get better with age. But I don't want to lay all the blame at the feet of the offensive line for the rest of the game because I think once things started to spiral out of control, Will Rogers started to miss, miss a few things, you know, as far as reads go and, and getting rid of the ball and getting it out quickly. I mean, I respect him playing with a busted, sh- busted shoulder. Oh, amazing. And that might be part of it too. You know, maybe he's more hesitant to throw because of the shoulder. I'm absolutely gutsy, and he gets all the credit in the world for me. Will Rogers is not a big guy. He's not a particularly athletic guy. He's also a guy that, you know – He's not throwing it out there 75 yards. You know, a hurt him hurting his shoulder is going to affect his game a little bit more because he's not just going to be able to overcome that with pure strength. That was outstanding. Again, still we're going to be nitpicky here. Not, not necessarily nitpicky, but we're going to be fair. I think I, I don't know if you agree or not. I thought he was just holding on to things too long, taking too long to develop. Yeah, I mean, there was – there was time the offensive line held up. He was just holding on the ball too long, and just—I mean, I, I sometimes wish he was just a little faster when he's breaking loose from the pocket. And like there, there be times where those defensive ends would, or defensive tackles would grab his feet at the last second, tackle as he was trying to escape. Right. And 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 to me, if you're against Alabama, the offensive line, quote unquote, holding up is two and a half or three seconds. If you're clean for two and a half seconds, you got to be able to get a th- get a throw off, whether it's a, it, even if it's a throwaway. You know, once once you're clean for 
for two and a half, three seconds, I, I, I absolve the offensive line of any of any blame, unless you know if, if they just fall down and let some let his, their quarterback get absolutely killed. But if you have that, if you have two and a half seconds to throw against Alabama, you're you're doing something right up front. And that's that's short. That's shorter time than the average in the NFL. NFL usually three seconds. Right. Other things that happened this week, if you go and look at, you know, what happened in Knoxville, what happened shortly afterwards, after the games in, um, or the game in Baton Rouge, uh, I guess a couple days afterwards with Coach Ogeron, you, uh, I think there was a little bit of controversy elsewhere in the SEC that you might want to comment on. What are some other things that caught your eye or just have got you upset in any type of way? I wouldn't say necessarily upset, but I mean, not the greatest, not the greatest look. Tennessee fans understand it was Mark Curl's crew out there officiating their game. Now, did you see the play in, of, of interest there that they're all upset about? Uh, which play was it again? Was Appar- it like apparently, there was a defensive touchdown that was not that was called a safety instead. So you know that's a, a five point swing. That uh, of course, I think Tennessee lost by five, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and they were and they were within field goal range at the end. So if that plays out the same, they can kick a field goal. But if um, that's what I believe happened is they got a safety, but it should have been a defensive touchdown, and, and everybody started throwing things at that point. And, of course, it was Mark Curls' crew. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a bad – I, I saw it, and, and, and the, re, the officials are totally wrong. They're absolutely incorrect. I don't know if there was other plays that also people were mad about, but that was the main one, I think. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I could probably be upset because they still haven't – Greg Sankey in the league hasn't done anything about that crew. They and, just keep sending out statements, and I'm like, something has to be addressed. Maybe they're just waiting till the end of the year to address it. I don't know. But I, I don't know done. what you – Surely, there if there was somebody better they could get, they'd get them. It's not like there's better referees out there sitting on their couch waiting for a phone call. They need, I heard it this way. Someone said have like a minor league system, like call someone up to the SEC or Big Twelve or whatever from a smaller league. Yeah, that works. Good. I think I think the solution is, and this is. Uh, a bit radical because none of these guys very. I, I think in the NFL there might be a couple, but in the when it gets down to college, these guys aren't full time. In fact, they usually work during the weeks of football. Like they have their their day jobs. Well, make NFL, it a full time position. Well, NFL officials aren't much better if at all. So I, I think it should be a full time position. The SEC and the, the NFL especially has enough money to pay those guys because they're getting a lot. They're getting paid, you know, for, for, for I guess, 13 maybe weekends of work. And if you're an SEC or standard SEC official, they're getting paid they're pretty good. They're roughly making about five grand a game. Let me, let me look it up. How much does an SEC – I want to look that up and get that exactly right. 
I, I still think, again, and maybe maybe one man on each crew is full-time, something like that. But something has got to give to where maybe there's a partnership with um, the eventual XFL or something like that to where they can be working full-time so they can work in the spring and in the fall. But there needs to be something has to change. I'm going to look that up. SEC ref make. Not I don't think that, that I don't think that information can be out in the public. According to in 2018, they make between 800 and 3,000 per game. But that 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 makes me sound like somebody's just. It, it, they would all get the same. There would be a. Of course, the head official probably makes more, but there would be something more official than that. If that was a. This is the average. This is between 800 and 3,000. And this says, but this says they have a take-home pay of fifty-two thousand per year. So I don't know where they're getting that from. Fifty-two thousand a year to work thirteen weekends—that's pretty good, though. Yeah. This is funny. So it talks about how they don't all make the same thing. I hope I hope Mark Curls' crew is at the bottom of the salary pool. There. It has to be. Has to be. And any, they they really do need to you know maybe a assist and, and and we all want the NCAA to be less involved. I think everybody and they're moving towards that. Make the conferences not necessarily make the conferences all powerful, but a little bit more powerful. But really put more hands in the in, more power into the hands of individual schools and coaches and players. But if there was like a like you said a system and and maybe it's not FBS F uh, or Power Five Group of Five, maybe it's FBS FCS. Because there's a clear division there, you know, it wouldn't be fair to teams like Cincinnati and all these group of five teams that have been good if their officials weren't as good as the ones we were getting. Right? I would, I would agree there. But a whole NCAA thing where Division two, II, Division three, II, Division one can all have, move up, and there's tiers, and then, like I said, maybe a full time. I don't know, but something has to give here. Oh. Just don't hold your breath. No, it, we, we say it every every year that it's a problem and it never gets fixed. Final thing I'll probably comment on today. Um, I do think the Ed Ogeron thing is, is quite odd. I think the oddest thing about it is the people that don't think he needs to get fired. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's kind of like the Joe Moorhead thing. I almost think, and this, is, this probably isn't true, but... I almost think if the program had been squeaky clean, if there hadn't been the sexual assault and the NCAA stuff going on while he was the head coach, you almost could keep him. And for for the record, he's going to coach out the rest of the season and then have almost all of his buyout paid to him at the end of the year, but they've mutually agreed, wink, wink, to part ways at the end of the year. So he's a lame duck coach, which you don't see very often in college football, a actual lame duck coach. Like, Unless it's his his retirement, you know, his going away party, like Frank Beamer had, you know, Bill Snyder. That very odd that that, that that's the way that, that happens. But he has a one game better record than Nick Saban had at LSU, with the same amount of national championships when Nick Saban went to Alabama. They're one game different, same amount of games at this point, 
and Nick Saban has one more loss and one less win. Is that – are they too hard on Ed O, or did he need to go? He, he needed to go. The turn, the turn of the program is just – that wasn't – you just said it on their defense. That wasn't the same LSU defense you usually saw. Yeah. And – Besides all the stuff off the field, it just and the quality, the quality product just wasn't good enough. And they got they're still on those Nick Saban standards, which he built, which I agree with. They can literally pick anybody in Louisiana to come play for. I think if Nick Saban didn't exist at Alabama, and it was more of a wild, wild west situation to where. One team could win it one year, another team could win another year, and it's not just Alabama's going to win it every other year. Then maybe he stays. I also think if his rec- I, he was lauded as a recruiter and has always been lauded as a recruiter, but if you look at their offensive line and their running backs, a couple other positions, their recruiting has not borne out this year at all. They they have missed, and some of those misses are coming back to bite them. And that was his strength. And when his strength is no longer a strength, then then what is he? Because anybody with a football brain could see that that national championship was authored, especially when you saw what they did in 2020 last year without these guys, was really authored by Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, and Dave Aranda, uh, maybe even Steve Enzminger to a lesser extent. But no, under no circumstances was um, Coach O architecting. That's not a good way to do it. What's the word? What's the verb for architect? It's got to be a word in there. You know what I'm trying to say. He is not building the foundation that 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 made that team go from an X's and O's standpoint. Okay, he's motivating those guys. He's recruiting those guys. He's being a good CEO and letting great coaches coach without throwing his you know two cents in all the time. But when he doesn't get lucky with the guys that were hired before him or the guys that he hired, you know, in the case of Joe Brady, like he wasn't this year. I don't think those coordinators are, are you know lighting the world on fire. Then he's not. He's going to struggle, and it's easy to see that it's not just the other teams are better. They have more talent. What are you going to do? It's a correctable problem at LSU because they have the money, they have the recruiting footprint, they have the legacy, they got everything in place to do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, it's they, 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 they could. They're all their issues always, always been. I mean, they were created in the top ten usually, and their stand, their standard is Bama. Whether that be stupid or not, just you know, I don't know. Just LSU folks, they just they got too think too highly of themselves. They do. Arguably, you, you've got a case that LSU's the second best program in college football this century. You know, three national championships with three different coaches. Uh, I don't think any, nobody else can really say that. It has been a little bit more spaced out. They do have an, another national championship appearance as well. Who do you think they go get? Oh, gosh. Too early for me to say. I, I will say this. If you've heard a name, it's an agent. LSU is not going to let any name come loose this early. I promise you. If, 
It's already Jimmy Sexton season. Oh, it's it's already uh, everybody already knows who it's going to be. I've seen you know it's definitely this person. I heard somebody say um, he's definitely going to hire a minority because of the image and stuff. And and I for I hope he does. That'd be a great thing for minorities. But I don't think LSU is going to do give anybody anything that 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 they're not absolutely one hundred percent confident in. I think this goes beyond the optics or whatever. So uh, they're going to hire whoever they think's best. I, I hope that they'll go and hire Lane Kiffin for two reasons. He's doing pretty decent at Ole Miss, but I also think he has a ceiling. I don't think he will take LSU to where they want to go. You know, I don't. You saw what he did at USC and at, and at the Raiders and at Tennessee. I don't know if he is that guy. You know what I mean? I think he's about as good a coach as Ole Miss could get, but not the best coach LSU could get. I've heard things. Uh, Mark Stoops is another one. I, I kind of think the same thing, maybe. Um, I, I heard. I heard Mel Tucker. I've heard Mel Tucker. I don't know if Mel Tucker's had long enough at Michigan State to prove that he's ready for this type of job. Um, Mario Cristobal is one I've heard thrown around. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, which is funny. I don't know if I don't. I, I wouldn't touch him right now. So very interesting. Is that it? You have anything else to go with that? No, just get ready. Get ready. Take down the Commodores. Yes, sir. We'll be back to break down the Commodores Thursday night, Friday morning. With that being said, as always, swing your sword, hail state.